Absolutely, absolutely. I think the 2D drawing ecosystem is on its last leg. It'll find very difficult for it for it to survive. Totally, yeah. Simple si baat hai. It's like you got to kind of get your stuff, your projects done faster by delivering value to the extent that you promised your clients, so that they are happy and they are happy to pay you. You get your money back. You know, perseverance pays. Don't be impatient. There is nothing like overnight success. You know, there, there's a great uh, line that I read somewhere. I think it was Travis Kalanick of Uber who had said this that you know, for an overnight, I spent uh, nine years preparing for overnight success. You know, so. I I and that's what so easy come easy go right so what will come to you fast will also go away fast Hey guys this is Manish here and welcome back to yet another episode of the Arkyan podcast the podcast all about architecture tech design in this episode about startups and a whole lot more so i'm super stoked to have with us gautam tiwari who is firstly an architect and also a startup founder he is the founder of trezy which is india's first vr platform for the building industry it is a product that is now solving the challenges faced by a large number of stakeholders in the building industry using immersive technology and the power of virtual reality they have won quite a few awards in the startup field featuring in the top 3 startup of the future by ntv unicorn awards winner of the league of 10 emerge 50 products of the year 2018 by nascom and also won nascom design for india design awards in the immersive category to name a few so let me give you a quick background about gautam as well gautam completed his bark from Sadar Patel University in 1991 and he then went on to pursue his masters in construction management from the University of New South Wales he has a global experience of over 20 years in the field of architecture and design apart from that he is also passionate about cricket he is a long distance runner a legit long distance runner and he's completed a lot of marathons so far he's a fitness enthusiast and an avid reader So in this episode he's going to be taking us on his journey as an architect and also as a startup founder. So you guys will get a glimpse into what it takes to run a startup and also how you guys can get into startups. He also talks about the various technologies that his company deals with starting from VR, AR and more. And towards the end of the episode he shares his tastes, his hobbies, a lot about marathon and advice for young architects. So for episode show notes links and more head to arkgyan.com/slash55. You'll also find it in the description below for this YouTube video. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or any other podcast app, you can check it out in the description as well. So let's head straight to the episode and tune in to Gautam's journey. And I'm sure you'll be inspired by the end of this episode. Maybe even start your own startup. Let's go. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the Akyan podcast. Today we have with us a very special guest. Uh he is a leader in the VR space and of course in our industry, the AEC industry. This is Gautam Tiwari. Hi Gautam, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks Manish. Really uh privileged to be here. Really looking forward to this session with you today. Absolutely. It's an honor for me to have you here in this podcast and uh, let's kick things off, you know, before we uh, venture into the various things Various accomplishments that you've uh, accomplished over the years. 
and uh, how you founded Trezzy and various other unicorn sort of companies. Give us your journey into architecture. How did you get into architecture? Was it something you always do as a kid? And how did that transition happen from architecture to startups? No, actually, I was not uh, as a kid. Uh, I did never thought that I'd be an architect uh, in my life, you know. So I come from a family of doctors, and like any kid born in the mid seventies, I actually my 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 only dream was to play cricket for India, uh, and yes. this this went on till fairly uh, uh, what till about class ten for me. I was uh, I was part of my school team. I used to play uh, cricket regularly. I was kind of. Uh, heading towards state level selections but uh, it kind of coincided the selection camp coincided with my 10th uh, pre board exams and that uh, put rest to my cricketing aspirations you know because okay. coming from a very academically oriented family i was not really permitted to go and attend a, a training camp and a selection camp so well uh, at that point in time when i had to make a career choice as to okay cricket is not really going to take off what do i do Uh, my brother was already in architecture by then. He is an architect as well, my elder right. brother, and I used to help him out with his uh, architectural submissions and things. I had a, I had a knack for uh, good uh, handwriting and good drawing, so I used to help him a fair bit with his submissions. So I was not going to be a cricketer. I was dead sure I didn't want to be a doctor. So the next thing that I that kind of stood there in my list of uh, known professions was uh, architecture. So I decided on doing architecture. and uh, that is what kicked off my journey but i enjoyed my time and once i joined it really was a new new sort of way of thinking for me uh, beyond the regular you know very old, uh, you know organized mm-hmm. set of uh, thinkers that i had in my family being like i said uh, from a family of medical professionals i really enjoyed my time because it started uh, it really helped me to start thinking outside the box challenge the mm-hmm. status quo uh, be a non conformist uh, if i may say that you know i, I can i'm a non conformist with a lot of pride i, I wear it on my sleeve and take it mm-hmm. around and architecture i feel has definitely played a big role for you now as a startup founder right having that uh, sense of uh, design and all that yeah uh, as you would know i uh, after my architecture i went ahead and did my masters in construction management so uh, that uh, sort of a journey this whole mix of having an architectural degree and uh, a masters in construction management uh, brought together a very uh, new sort of a thinking in the profession it kind of coincided with uh, you know the non traditional methods of project deliveries uh, coming out in the process of project procurement as we project managers call it so uh, we i i became i've moved from being a creative design professional to a very numbers oriented project uh, planning organizing controlling sort of a guy and uh, that really started a, a very different sort of a journey for me and we'll talk about that i don't want to kind of just get into it right away but right. Uh, the uh, that particular journey helped me understand a lot of not just understand actually experience a lot of the pain points that i'm really trying to address with the startup that i have created you know so mm. the whole journey of the gap of uh, gap in terms of understanding between architects and project managers architects project managers and clients architects project managers clients and product manufacturers that is exactly what we are trying to uh, bridge a uh, build for uh, build a bridge for and that's what uh, we have i think successfully bridged for till uh, at least till this particular point in our journey but of course it's a long long way to go for us still not just us i think the entire industry all right 
before we get into Trezzy, like when did you start uh, having this thought of, you know, having your own startup? Was it out of frustration? Was it because of the industry you were in? Or uh, was it like a series of events that led to this? I think it was the latter. The last point that you made, it was it was a series of events. I, I had a fairly uh, successful career progression, you know. So after I finished my master's uh, and before I came back to India, I got the opportunity to uh, intern with some of the largest uh, project management firms across the Asia-Pacific region. And once I came back to India, I was part of uh, some leading design and design and build companies uh, in the country. And each one of these uh, transitions and new roles that I got into during the span of uh, uh, 14 to 15 years actually helped me experience, like I said, experience some of the uh, key frustrations, pain points, uh, gaps that existed in the in the industry. You know, not just not just design profession or construction profession across the architecture, engineering, and construction industry. Right. And uh, I could have continued doing the role that I was doing as in my last stint. It was a very fulfilling, very enriching something that uh, really got me a lot of uh, learning and a lot of credit built a lot of credibility for me personally but you know there was a point uh, Manish and I think there's a point in everyone's career that you kind of really respond to uh, a need there's a calling you know where either you jump or you do not so I chose to jump at that point in time in terms of making a difference creating something that is going to help that is that would have been for the betterment of the entire see it's very easy for us to sit in a conversation of this nature or the kind of casual conversation that we have in our profession and and you know punch uh, holes in the story that hey listen this doesn't work and that doesn't work and it takes a serious serious uh, effort to go out and do something about that and i chose to do something about it and that is what i'm trying to do with Trezzy. Awesome. And this was around 2015, right? Where you made the transition? This was around 2015. So late 2014, early 2015. And uh, the, uh, how do I put it? It was, you know, there were, I stepped out of my uh, previous role and I was looking for what could be that uh, technology-based intervention in our profession that could really help bridge this gap of expectations between uh, multiple stakeholders in an industry as fragmented as ours and uh, yeah 2014 to mid 2015 it was all about going out in the search of that particular technology based intervention and 2015 uh, June July our first set of POCs really came out and uh, towards the end of 2015 we founded the company and it's just been going on ever since all right great so uh, when I started Agyan you know I was always I was still working in a firm and then uh, building this on the side and then slowly transitioning it into full-time, right? Also creating courses along the way. So uh, is it possible for someone to work on a startup or work on something on the side and then go full-fledged if they feel that there is a lot of potential for it? Well, first and foremost, totally depends on our employer, right? It's <laughs> like uh, how kindly he or she takes to it. Um, I personally feel it's a bit tough, to be honest, simply because... Uh, uh, the role that we have to perform in an organization that we are a part of, small or large organization does not matter. It, it really, I mean, our, you know it as much as I do, you know, it's, it's a very challenging, it's a very demanding sort of a profession. So it, it's practically full time. So after spending 12 to 14 hours on your day job, if you want to still kind of go back home and build on an idea and you feel that crazy enough, I think it may only be possible then because it, it's very rare that you get your 
especially in your formative years in the profession you know it's very rare that you get weekends it's very rare that you get a simple 9 to 5 sort of a job it's not it doesn't work that particular way uh, but i think in due course one can do it but you know i would uh, take a more radical stand and a view on this one i would say that if you have a idea that you're passionate about if you're solving a real problem through that particular idea that you're passionate about then i would urge any uh, person with that entrepreneurial spirit to go out and start building on that idea why be burdened by a job a 9 to 5 sort of a job you know just step out and start doing something about it i mean there are enough avenues available now for for young entrepreneurs to go out seek funding uh, you know build on an idea and uh, if you're truly passionate about it and if you think you're solving a real problem just go ahead take the dive and uh, start building it why do it on the side just do it full time right awesome and uh, on that note uh, could you tell us about your company trezy how it started smartwizx was something which you guys started with and then slowly transitioned to trezy so what exactly is the platform and uh, give us an insight into your uh, startup yeah so uh, this is where all the stuff that we spoken about in the past 5 minutes really starts to uh, tie together so when i stepped out of my uh, last stint uh, as a as the pro- you know project head for a, a leading design and build company across asia pacific again my role was purely des- uh, project delivery and you know uh, despite the fact that we created these really nice looking 3d visuals uh, for all the projects that we uh, won and we won a lot of them we always had at least 98% i would say not even 95 98% times our clients used to come back and express dissatisfaction in terms of what they got as opposed to what was promised to them when we uh, pitched during the uh, initial stage of the project and uh, i was amazed that you know despite the fact that we have done whatever we could and used the best possible technology uh, why would this really Uh, come to uh, come to a situation where repeatedly we keep getting into these struggles where uh, clients did not understand what they were getting despite our best intent it was not that we did not want them to understand we did whatever we could it is just that there was something missing and then there were issues on site the contractors were not building the way we wanted them to build it sometimes the product manufacturers used to send material that was not supposed to be the way we th- uh, we specified it to be and uh, this really uh, one messed up my head because there was practically every project that the company was doing at one point in time i was responsible for making sure that it happened smoothly and we had a happy customer at the end of the project uh, but it was rarely happening so uh, when i stepped out i just thought to myself that you know the gap in understanding came through because we never realized so we went with, with a lot of passion went in with a lot of passion as architects and designers you know we created these fancy skill yeah, visuals absolutely. we took uh, uh, reams and uh, piles of drawings and explained this to uh, non technical non architectural people non design folks you know so the ceos and the cfos were not architects that we were pitching uh, to you know so the the gap in expectation really was because it was our thought versus theirs and our thought is of course it it has taken a long time to for it to evolve and become what it became and for us to be able to kind of in our mind at least experience the z axis you know but mm. our clients were not being able to do that yeah. so there had to be a way where all of us every person who was going to be involved in a project could be inside the design and experience it together 
come to a consensus after multiple explore multiple options together and all of this had to be happening real time because the methods that we used were extremely time consuming were extremely inefficient inefficacious and as a result of that if there was a change to be done we used to dread changes because those changes it was not just the cost impact of the change it was also about the time it took for Absolutely. us to you know implement that change in first in the drawing then go to the client get an approval then kind of take it to the site you know so this technology based intervention had to be one where people could be immersed inside uh, this could happen uh, together with as many number of people as were involved in a project uh, at least key key members of the uh, each each stakeholding agency and uh, of all of it had to be real time and as i uh, started seeing uh, more and more technology like i said it was so around 2014 2015 Uh, immersive technology was obviously coming to the front at that point in time. There was talk about not talk. Actually, Facebook acquired Oculus Rift for a couple of billion uh, dollars at that point in time. Microsoft Hololens early uh, version had just come out, and right. soon they were out with their uh, Hololens One. Uh, there was HTC, which was uh, which had come out with HTC Vive. So all the big boys around were putting a lot of money into building uh, immersive hardware. You know, VR uh, headsets. Right. So we also kind of dived deep, and at that point in time, it was primarily more entertainment and gaming uh, sort of an application that was uh, uh, in the forefront. But uh, I quickly got hold of a DK2, I still remember a really clunky Oculus uh, development kit too, uh, and started building some prototypes for our industry. And the prototypes were in a way that you know we took architectural models and. Uh, built it on top of game engine put it into a game engine and right. created vr content and brought it into uh, a vr environment unreal and engine, uh, uh, unreal engine is what we started up absolutely yeah. i mean we tried all sorts of engine unreal was there there was unity there was cry engine i mean that you name right. an engine the most obsolete one we tried every time in engine under the sun but i mean that the preference remained unreal engine and we still uh, even our product is built on top of that but we'll talk right. about that so so once we built the poc and we started meeting some friends in the fraternity uh the reaction was just wow everybody said oh wow cool super uh this is certainly something that uh, we'd be interested in you know so so we started uh, you know on the poc itself we started uh, monetizing the pocs fa- fairly early because everybody wanted a piece of the pie they said hey listen do this for us and do this exclusively for us you know and we said like boss there is no exclusivity and all this is just a new tech that we are still mm-hmm. developing but let's see what we can do and so we we got first few projects fairly quickly you know so seven eight projects uh, we had a ticket size of about 10 12 lakh so 10 to 25 lakhs actually i remember at that point in time and mm-hmm. so we suddenly you know money started coming into the bank even while we were testing the idea right and so obviously there was some interest uh, from investors that came through and we raised an angel round fairly quickly but uh, the journey was very clear in my head at that point in time and it had nothing to do with my understanding of the startup ecosystem now mm-hmm. you know okay. uh, i was probably i i had i lacked experience at that point in time but uh, i should have started the product journey earlier rather than you know getting diverted by this whole opportunity to earn uh, money from a services based uh, approach which is what right. we continue to do for two yeah. years i do believe it had its value uh, in the sense that we understood a very nascent sort of a technology as well as one could have and that is what helped us in our product creation product development journey eventually we built a portfolio uh, as well we built a portfolio we built got good customers we built revenue as well so i think we did a cool couple of million dollars in the first 2 3 years with the just services based approach you know but nice. services business now i understand is services business you know it doesn't get you the sort of 
valuation, the multipliers that uh, that a product yeah. uh, gets your tech new tech product gets you. You know, so uh, so we spent some time doing that, which I think was necessary for us to take understand the technology to an extent where we could have built a product out of it. Uh, but well, it it did take its own sweet time. So from 2015 to 2017, it was purely a product productized service sort of an approach that we undertook. Had some great names, did some great projects uh, world over. It was not just an India-based thing. In fact, I took uh, our services-oriented uh, content to uh, to the US as well. Yes. There was a conference we attended in the Midwest. It's called the Midwest Conference, where we kind of uh, stood number one amongst the startups there because the content yes. was just spectacularly cool and uh, then took it to the bay area as well showed it to a few folks was very worried that we'll get uh, kicked in our teeth but uh, surprisingly the response was fairly positive awesome. but then again it was like i said it was services oriented content yeah. patients sit and work on it for weeks together sometimes even months and then create what uh, gets created uh, Two things happened. One, our understanding of the as it, our understanding of the technology grew. Some of our customers also start, really enjoyed what we were, uh, appreciated and enjoyed the content mm-hmm. that we had created for them, and they also told us that guys, uh, maybe it's time that you kind of give us as your client the power of creating VR content ourselves. You know, so right. that sort of woke me up. That hey, wow, yeah, this we we were about democratizing the use of VR in our industry. So we should start building the product again. So 2017 is where. Uh, we took a very, very conscious call, did a hard pivot, uh, looked away from the $2 million revenue that we had clocked up and said, we'll just build the product. I mean, if you don't do it now, we'll become a, a product productized service mm-hmm. company. And that is not what the aspiration was for us, you know. Right. So 2017, we uh, kicked off, got some early alignment with some of our strategic, strategic partners like uh, uh, Gensler's India office, Steelcase's India office. Yes. Uh, they helped us kind of create, they used early prototypes of a product, gave us feedback. And it was uh, in, I think, uh, February, March 2018, when we launched a formal early access uh, preview for a product and uh, went out with it in August 2018. And since then, it's been it's been a good uh, sound journey, I would say, you know, because top 50% of the top 50 Indian architects are using the product. Uh, we've got uh, international companies using the product. Mm-hmm. We've got people, uh, uh, you know, flat architects in the US, one of the top five architectural firms. They are using product when they have the option to use anything uh, uh, because they are uh, that sort of a company, you know. But, you know, uh, while while qualitatively the journey has been very, very good, uh, as it happens in startup ecosystem, quantitatively you could always do better. So we are right now trying to scale it up and do quantitatively well as well. All right. Awesome. Uh, that was a brilliant journey, but I'm sure that journey, uh, there was a lot of people involved in that journey. So I want to know like, uh, how important is a team and how do you build a team towards running a startup or maybe even running an architecture firm, which is more innovative than just being a regular architecture firm? Shucks, man, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, that's a, one of the toughest proposition, you know, building a team that believes in the vision, you know, so your vision is your vision. You eat, sleep, drink that vision, you know? So for you, no matter how many times you fail, you just get up, dust yourself and start moving again because your wish, that's, that's, the, that's the interlocking you have with your own vision and it never yeah. breaks. But it's not necessary that everybody buys into that vision. So finding a co-founder is first and foremost a very important part. If you, if you want to keep a company, build a company that is going to be really big, I mean, you can't do it alone. So a, a co-founder, a co-founding team maybe, is, is key and then of course building that that key top level a player uh, thing you know because 
once after the uh, even once you get your co-founders the top a player a uh, team level a team that you have to create and maybe a cxo band those those guys are not the ones who come in purely for the vision some do a lot of them yeah. do but a lot of them do not a lot of them come in just for uh, for for their career progression as well you know so so and startup journey is one it's uh, it's full of failures it's tough it's really really challenging you know so you fail more than you succeed so every failure you have that vision to support you in terms of bringing you back on track that no no i believe in what i'm doing but not everybody necessarily believes in that you know so yeah. you, you get people who come in uh, in the start it is always like oh yeah yeah when you understand i mean you ask them i mean i have clearly asked people that hey boss this is a startup you understand there are weekends involved here there are late nights involved here there are challenges involved here there are failures involved here are you okay with that uh, so everybody comes with an okay nobody says no no i'm not okay with it you know but very soon people who are not meant to be with you start the the wheels start to come off you know so mm-hmm. the first signs first signs for me in particular are people when they say that hey listen i am not available over the weekend that's your first sign that you know you 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 stuck with somebody who's not right. going to survive in your journey uh, long term you know but i'll tell you what manish the architectural journey is very different you know architectural startups are very different i mm. find architects because they have gone through that whole struggle of five years of education mm. you understand it as much as i do right that you know the the five years of education really prepare us well that's what i feel the the kind of structure that we have to our education uh, architectural education i'm talking about the the uh, you know again lot of uh, education is also what happens outside the classrooms right it's yeah, not just absolutely. about what you learn inside so but the the whole thing around submissions late nights uh, slogging it out yeah. gutsing it out we that's a part of our training and i think when you start an architectural company you tend to go through that with a lot more pride and a lot more understanding than uh, when you start to uh, when you founded a tech based startup and i'm not saying i mean see I, we cannot generalize it's not the same same sort of a formula for everybody uh, my story might be very different to some of the other stories but uh, uh, my i think my architectural training my early years as an architect my early years in the construction industry certainly helped me kind of uh, you know in not losing focus because i i sometimes joke around with a lot of people that uh, you know had it not been uh, for the fact that the key members of this company are all architects we would have probably gone out in a different sort of a direction right and did you have the skill set uh, prior to uh, starting the uh, firm was it more of an unreal engine skill set that you had and uh, which uh, then you brought in people to build upon that and then make it grow no i did not i personally did not neither did the other co-founder but we right. were very very lucky to get uh, one of the brightest minds in uh, in the gaming industry uh, into the company very early and he had been with us till until till about a month back you know unfortunately there's been a bit of a change with the pandemic right now and i hope to bring him back soon because of uh, of you know the 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 uh, pay salary cuts and everything else that everybody has gone through in the company so so we've had a bit of a, a loss there in terms of some key people but uh, this this guy chandan who i met very very early in my journey while i dating and some of those pocs were built by him he he was a gem and he still is i would in my opinion he still is you know so uh, he was somebody who just was there head down get things together and i was i think we were very very lucky to have him uh, yeah. you know at a, a very early stage of our tech, tech sort of a uh, development process of course he was not a uh, technology guy himself he was a technical artist but 
he had that uh, understanding deep level understanding of what needed to get done to create a product to create uh, good quality content on game engines and that is what helped us and of course after that we started building the team and we were again very lucky to have some of the brightest minds in uh, vr uh, come in and go out <laughs> but yeah we we had the right sort of a mix at every right point in time that the company needed to have so you stopped the services based uh, your part of your firm and is it only more of the product now which is crazy yeah it's uh, totally product now the services has wrapped itself around uh, three different areas for us now it's a one it was a very successful team so uh, from a business generating perspective it generates business only in support of the product so uh, customer that that services business has become like a customer success <coughs> excuse me a slash right. customer support so uh, if we get a customer who does not have the necessary 3d assets to run side of vr uh, mm-hmm. the team goes in and creates those assets for them uh, then once those assets are created and because these are really high quality outputs that come out in real time you have to compromise on the co- uh, visual quality because it's all happening real time uh, so uh, this then team gets an added opportunity to create more content you know so so uh, it starts to now the services business does not need to go and look for business so the product goes in product uh, is sold then the customer says that hey listen i want something more and then the mm-hmm. customer support and customer services really go in and uh, not support as much but customer services really goes in and uh, gets more business out of out of one uh, subscription that we sell so that's that's what is emerging now and that's what is working out really well all right awesome uh, i mean a lot of us architects and architecture students we use a lot of lumion uh and then maybe mm-hmm. even twin motion onscape so yeah. how uh, similar or different is uh, trezi when compared to these products see uh, both the names that you've taken one is their rendering softwares right they mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they primarily they create renderings and mm-hmm. trezi is not about renderings you know so mm-hmm. we i get into these debates i meet a lot of uh, architecture students these days because we started a new initiative called trezi academy mm-hmm. and i uh, we're taking trezi to uh, students of architecture and and coaching them on vr now because right. uh, that is something that has not been there in our country at all so uh, <clears throat> coming back to the key point you know we are not after fancy visuals you know so uh, one of the first users of trezi uh, is a is a guy called vidit who uh, i met uh, during the process of product development he was at gensler's india office at that time mm-hmm. interning uh, took a, a very very high uh, end uh, lumion user took a lot of interest in trezi immersive technology he was a gamer so he obviously kind of took a lot of interest in vr but he was interning so he had to go back to college uh, after finishing his internship right. and just called me out of the blue and said hey listen i want to present my thesis uh, inside of vr i was oh, like nice. opened up a new thing for me that time you know wow this is cool so i told him yeah, you got all my support you take my hardware also just go present and tell me what the feedback is you know so his his jury was like awesome he said look, look boss i have not had a jury of this nature in my 5 years at all this is the mm-hmm. best jury that awesome. i've ever had because one i was able to explain my design in a particular manner and second i was able to kind of uh, my jurors understood what i wanted beyond the plan section elevation typical uh, stuff that we do mm-hmm. and we just got into a debate which was which for me was like wow this is super cool you know so now the uh, how would it be different to the software that he said the lumion and to in motion uh we do not run after visual quality as much mm. i mean of course we keep it very high in our need but it is not about you know the fancy lighting and the reflections and the shadows and all of that trezi is about collaboration design experience design communication design collaboration these are the key three things mm. and and i'll repeat it again 
experience communication collaboration and what i mean by that is you and me can experience the bar house uh, by being in that model uh, together and you might tell me that hey listen i don't like that white sitting with the gray and let's let's try to kind of make it all white and we could do it real time you know and for that we do not need a photo realistic uh, rendering because you know all those photo realistic hyper uh, renderings that i call i call them hyper renderings because they they need time and crazy amount of effort i mean just mm. those renderings are taking forever to be not so much not not yeah, with not twin not motion not. of course twin motion is yeah twin motion is an easier product to use but the lumion the 3d max of the world they you just start creating a render and it just goes on and on and on and on as a result of which one you need a first and foremost you need a 3d visualizer hmm. in your team uh, and that 3d visualizer is visualizer is always worried that oh god i should not get any change because it's going to take me another week hmm. but the boss of the company comes back in hey listen i got changes 10 of them and you got to do it in two days it doesn't happen that way you know so you put those things on the machine render in progress progress please do not touch blah 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 you know so our thing was that get visuals to a quality that are good enough to understand the design intent uh, get people inside uh, make this happen all of it happen real time get building products in right at the early stage of the product so one part of trezy a platform is also trezy showcase where building product manufacturers put virtual slash digital twins of their product and those virtual slash digital twins can be brought in to the process of design right at step 1 so the right. toilet fixtures to the flooring to the ceiling to the light fixtures all of that can be brought into the design right at step 1 so things that downstream take weeks and weeks to get resolved and selected are happening right up front in a project you know so if i could give you an analogy here uh some of the products that you mentioned outputs of their their outputs are basically what we do in our juries you know so if you were to do a call of this nature i would be sharing those images with you and those drawings with you so it's almost like sticking it up on a on a wall and explaining it to you that hey listen manish this is your bedroom this is your living room this yeah. flooring this blah 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 and here's the 3d with trezy you get inside we both walk your home and you tell me hey listen i don't like the marble let's put a wooden floor here man and we can do that with the wooden floor coming from an actual wooden floor supplier imagine the time that saves it's it's pretty amazing but uh, don't you feel that that's giving more control to the client because he has more options <laughs> to choose from and that puts more work yeah, to yeah, the architect yeah. as well right yeah now now the architect in you wake up <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah uh, uh, so we've got that feedback from a lot of architects that hey listen uh, we want to do our design we don't want our, uh, the yeah. client to start designing right and so that is where uh, the 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 way the uh, product is works inside of vr there are two controllers in a typical mm. vr set and uh, one uh, controller is purely for walking around so the client only gets to walk around the selections and the edits and all of that is on, on the in the other hand so the architect uh, makes a client walk around takes feedback or even asynchronously client can annotate a design in, in case you were in la and you're my client and i'm right. sitting here in delhi uh you wake up and you kind of say hey listen uh, i didn't like that uh, marble wooden floor please so i'll wake up i'll see your annotation there i will kind of work on it and i'll send it back to you so we are asynchronously still collaborating you know nice. or synchronously we sync up on a time where i tell you that hey uh, manish uh, in your calendar there is an invite for trezy meetings just join it and i'll show you your model whether vr or no vr doesn't matter if you had a vr headset we would meet in vr if you don't have a vr headset i would be in vr you would be in non vr and if we both don't have a headset we'll both be in non vr so that flexibility is there and this is but in the cloud the it's all, it's all on the cloud yeah, yeah. totally so so that uh, the meeting is happening on the cloud totally so so now all of the discussions 
one is not dependent on you traveling so we don't have to wait for you to come back next month for us to not get the, for us to kind of spend all that time waiting for to get design decisions from you two uh, you know the objective here is not to uh, make the client start doing designing the objective really is for the client to start providing feedback as and when we need it so that right. the projects do not get stretched right now we our projects get stretched because of lack of availability of the client at times you know and we are trying to kind of remove that by by facilitating real time collaboration right. and having a material and a product library that is going to allow us to take decisions there and then if we can all right and uh, i'm sure now it's much more than just our industry right your uh, product can transcend to other industries like health and uh, maybe even uh, gaming to a certain extent right or other industries uh i would just say that uh, that is not a area of focus for us we hmm. we want to stay within our industry and we want to be and uh, like i said i mean i stepped out of a relatively comfortable role job to kind of solve solve a problem for the aac industry you know if i now start looking at healthcare or education and which at time becomes those shiny objects that uh, you know suddenly uh, because we do get calls you know some somebody from a uh jewelry showroom calls us hey mm. i saw trezy i can create a jewelry showroom and blah 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 the, uh i said that i mean you want to use the product please go ahead and use it i mean it's not we would not be able to support it all you have to do is go pay for the subscription and start using it you know but uh we would not start to go out and sell for any other industry at least as of now because uh, i think there's still a lot to be done we are still very very early in our product journey mm-hmm. and uh, i would avoid distractions at all cost and that is what my advice to any uh new startup founder would be you know start, avoid distraction create your area of focus and focus on that till you uh, till you succeed there you know all right great uh i just want to uh, talk about bim uh, a bit because bim in india is still not uh, you know caught up with what's happening in europe or in us so once bim comes into the space uh, how much of an integration would trezy have with bim because you already have the model in place and uh, i'm sure that uh, ease of use would be uh, much faster right and you already have revit integration so uh, give Absolutely. us a so you like... you answered it for my for me already you know so we right. we we already have uh, revit integration so the building block uh, revit is one of the building block of course there's archicad and there is uh, there are bentley bim uh, solutions and everything else but uh, and of course there's op- op- again the, there, there is another cult nearly in terms of computational design parametric mm. design right so so rhino uh, etc also comes into the picture so we support revit rhino uh, uh, and uh, sketchup already mm-hmm. out of which uh, i think more towards the bim side of things uh, revit revit uh, suffices for now we do intend to have a plugin for archicad as well because mm-hmm. uh, uh, that is certainly something that is there on our roadmap and uh, i mean just to kind of simply answer that i mean there is no moving away from bim i have been a i had been a big proponent of bim since its early days you know unfortunately uh, again this is this is through my previous uh, stint the project that i uh, really worked very hard to implement bim end to end once i started on my own and i went back to that team for some inputs they said hey listen we just after you left we did not do any projects on bim at all okay. you know because and then i said hey listen so what about those trainings and everything else that we did forgotten so that's that's the challenge in our industry right and plus and it has to be end to end so it's not just the architects it's also the consulting engineers the product manufacturers and uh, and uh, contractors who have to be on the platform for it for the entire 
360 uh, degree value to be uh, sort of taken from the implementation. But uh, we've all be, always been, uh, you established it already, right? India has not seen it, but world over from Dubai to Singapore to US to Europe, everybody is really reaping a lot of benefits from BIM implementation now. So uh, we've been laggards. Uh, so typically now there's a lot of talk about BIM happening when it should really be, uh, should have happened mm -hmm. 10 years back, in my opinion, you know. But uh, coming back to the question that you ask, uh, Manish, it's, it's, there's no getting away from it. I mean, mm -hmm. our industry is so fragmented. The fragmentation causes so much of loss of uh, time and cost and effort that we need to have more efficient ways. There is, Absolutely. I find it surprising. I mean, I go to people and talk about Trezi and I see people who are sitting on, okay. on graphic cards that, that uh, shouldn't yeah. even be there any longer. Somebody should go in and destroy them, you know. And people don't want to change. People still say that, hey, why don't you create a software or some, some you know, lesser specification computer. I said, hey, why the hell can't you upgrade your computer? What's, what's, the, what's the problem? You know, so we want everything coming to us on a platter. We don't want to put in an effort. And that's, mm -hmm. we are guilty as, as Indian architectural professionals. We are guilty of creating this sort of a culture. And this is what we need to change. And the reason that we have created Trezi Academy is that we go and uh, put this appreciation of if you want your software to do things for you, please also invest in the specification of your machine because without that, it, it ain't gonna work, you know. So, uh, but the problem is the clients no, don't pay up, right? So uh, that's a big. It's a it's a vicious circle, yeah. Clients yeah. don't pay because we some. I mean, let's be honest, you know. I might say something that is going to upset a lot of people, but how do we deliver complete value to our clients? There are very few architects, hand on heart. If I have to keep and kind of name a few, I'll probably be able to count uh, them on my fingertips. You know, there are very few architects who deliver the kind of value to the clients that we need to deliver to them. If we do that. If we take a, uh, a stand for that, we, I am sure we can get into a situation where we can, uh, you know, with a lot of conviction, claim okay. what we need to claim from our clients, you know, but we do not because somewhere deep inside, we ourselves are guilty that we have not delivered complete value and we did not intend to do that in the first step, you know, <laughs> that's that. So people actually go into projects thinking that last 10% is not going to come to me. So I'll just put in my effort in this point in time. After that, I'll stop putting it. And I've had people telling me that my contemporaries telling me that my friends from architecture college mm. telling me that, you know, so how uh, ridiculous is that view? It's uh, silly. So you have built a practice or an approach towards design in which you are telling yourself last 10% is not going to come in. So my effort is going to stop at this point in time. Absurd. Have you heard any other program? I mean, does a doctor tell you that I'm going to operate you only till 10% uh, till 90% last 10% is not going to be done. It doesn't happen that way. You know, so we ourselves are to be blamed. And uh, I have experienced that personally in my professional journey. So uh, we need to improve. And once we kind of put in that effort in terms of improving our systems processes, our uh, beliefs, our ethics, and I, I think then we would be uh, more than uh, happy to go and pick up a fight with the customer to pay us, you know, right now we do not do that because we ourselves know that we've kind of cut something short somewhere. All right. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, our industry is super inefficient. Like uh, we have, we started the concept. There's a model for concept. Then there's, we started the plan. There's AutoCAD plan. Then there's separate BIM model. So do you think that in the future, maybe now we have like a single model where you can run analysis, you can run estimation, you can run Trezi and do uh, visualizations. Uh, is that something which Trezi is looking forward to where, you know, you bridge the gap between efficiency and inefficiency? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the 2D drawing ecosystem is on its last leg. 
it will find very difficult for it for it to survive uh, and that ecosystem needs to not needs to it will it will convert itself into a very 3d oriented uh, ecosystem and i think autodesk itself predicted that in its report uh, annual report two years back mm-hmm. and it identified six key trends 3d modeling was one of them bim growing use of cloud immersive technologies uh, internet of things and there was one more i'm forgetting the sixth uh, that's the 3d oriented only but yeah. yeah so so you know so there was these six uh, technologies for the next couple of decades is what uh, or decade or so that autodesk itself kind of uh, predicted you know so uh, 2d doesn't find a mention anywhere it is unfortunate that we continue to invest time energy effort in, yeah. and some of the uh, i won't name them of course uh, but some of the leading architects that i've gone yeah. to uh, are, you know they just swear by autocad they they find uh, that they, the the money they've spent on revit or uh, bringing bim into their office of waste and uh, some of them also the lack uh, of skill set right valid point i think great point yes lack of skill set and that is in the, again the effort of academy trezi academy is to kind of create that skill set that student mm-hmm. go out prepared with uh, uh, an understanding of immersive technologies with an understanding of how to create vr content so that when the prof- uh, the, the the professionals are hiring them they see that oh now i don't need to worry about uh, not having a person in my roles who use trezi or immersive technologies you know so i have somebody who's come out from college prepared and that they will find it easier so that's that will complete the entire loop for us uh, i mean that's my bias that i'm uh, uh, building that entire tracy academy ecosystem with but you know uh, manish i think the biggest challenge that is going to uh, be addressed is going to be around changing the mindset mm-hmm. the mindset is what i'm talking about so while i am i'm kind of uh, really picking on people not changing themselves and not uh, really working hard enough in terms of understanding the needs of uh, new technologies and as a result of which the the upgrade in hardware that's required uh, citing uh, examples like clients do not play uh, pay and blah 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 uh, i think there are some architects who have actually spent time upskilling themselves and mm-hmm. uh, having an appreciation for this too so it is not that uh, people do not appreciate it but unfortunately the number of people who appreciate it and do something about it is unfortunately lesser than those who just kind of are stuck in the same old mundane and obsolete ways of working because their practices are a success because the clients seek them out and well they have in their processes just plugged in the fact that uh, their businesses will succeed with the 90% payments that they <laughs> collect that we spoke about awesome uh, also gautam i just want to talk you mentioned about service and product uh do you feel that more architects would orient themselves towards a product based business maybe at least in terms of upskilling themselves in learning coding and creating solutions for their own firm or maybe solutions for the industry in general do you feel there is a future where architects you know turn towards the coding and computational way of thinking yes i certainly think so and i i have seen some really bright architects doing that already uh, and and doing some really fabulous work uh they will of course uh, a lot of them will will code or uh, build solutions which is going to be applicable for their own practices uh, and it will to provide them competitive advantage it will rarely be something for the betterment of the industry mm-hmm. so uh, one of the reasons uh, that i started this venture out was because i i thought that if there has to be technology based intervention it has to happen from within the industry mm-hmm. it cannot we cannot continue to be in a situation uh, where 
outside of industry uh, software engineers create solutions come yeah. to us and say hey listen this is what your industry needs and that is what we've been guilty of so i foresee a lot of that happening i like i said some folks some really bright architects young architects have started doing that already and very successfully and i am really really thrilled to see that but the application is limited to their own uh, firm what we need is more more people getting into uh, product development creating solutions that really uh, solve the problems of the profession and are not solutions that are just providing them a competitive advantage that time when we get into that way of existence that is where the true difference will start uh, getting uh, sort of witnessed and felt in in the in the change that we will see in terms of you know getting more efficient delivering projects better lesser quality hassles money being collected faster and the roi for an architect increasing eventually totally yeah simple si baat hai it's like you got to kind of get your stuff your projects done faster by delivering value to the extent that you promised your clients so that they are happy and they are happy to pay you you get your money back so roi is simple you you deliver value you get value and collect money do more projects no instead of doing five projects in a year do 15 brilliant uh all right gautam uh, what is the vision for trezi where do you see trezi going uh, do you see it as a global brand uh, where a lot of countries are going to be using trezi and do you also feel that trezi is going to be venturing into other spaces so answering the second question first no i don't think uh, in the immediate future in the next 10 years i see trezi venturing into other industries uh, spaces no i do not think so because uh, our industry is vast enough it's a 10 trillion dollar industry there's mm-hmm. enough mess to uh, clear in this one and uh, trezi will have more and more offerings for this industry but uh, and will be very verticalized in his approach is what i feel i could be wrong because I've, in my 5 years i've learned uh, in the startup ecosystem that you should not be putting your money too much into your uh, vision because things change so fast and you kind of end up eating what you said but uh, i if you ask me and if i did not have to change if i had the luxury i had the money i had uh, customers uh, i would i would still be solving problems vertically focused in the architecture engineering and construction space uh, but uh, coming to the first one what the vision is so i'll build on this point only that in 10 years i see trezi to be the the platform the preferred platform for the building industry uh, where uh, you would have every stakeholder professional involved in the process uh, of design or construction building products education uh, trezi will be the go to place you know so architects will find uh, potential interns and uh, hire people from here uh, interns and students can find uh, work from here uh, people they will once they go into practices they will uh, this will be their go to platform to work on so mm. uh, and then product manufacturers will sell their products using this particular platform so that's yes. that's my 10 year vision and not just in india world over of course brilliant all right uh, gautam uh, thanks for a fantastic session uh, we'll quickly jump to the quick fire round and ask you a couple of brief questions and then sure. we'll wrap okay. it up all right sure. uh, who has been uh, your mentors you know in, through the throughout this journey or who have stood by you or someone who's inspired you uh, as an architect and as a startup founder Okay, so my my inspirations have not always been in uh, in my line of work. My inspirations have been uh, uh, different uh, sorts. But you know, so so just to kind of uh, pick up mentors who I kind of really look up to and go back to whenever I have uh, 
uh, issue. So very, very early in my uh, architectural career, I I used to uh, work with uh, with a gentleman called Rajiv Agarwal. I think he he was my first real uh, uh, mentor in that uh, regard. You know, he was somebody who I exchanged a lot of ideas with in terms of asking him uh, what should I be doing my masters in, and uh, you know, kind of validating the thoughts around getting to uh, do masters in construction management amongst mm -hmm. various other courses that uh, that were there. And at that time, you know, masters in urban design and masters. Uh, uh, there, there, were, there were some favorite courses that used to happen and masters in construction management was never one of them. Mm -hmm. So it was, I was probably one of the first ones to go out and do a, a course of this nature. Right. So uh, Rajiv was probably one of the first mentors that I could identify, but you know, there have been uh, different uh, sort of mentors that I have kind of always had my, my uh, uh, cricket coach, for instance, uh, at national stadium was, was somebody who I really looked up to my, I, I do a lot of long distance running now. So currently, uh, my go-to person is my running coach. I, I do a lot of uh, life-based discussions. Uh, it's not always work-related, but just about you know, solve you know, seeing a challenge, addressing a thing, running a, a particular distance in a particular time, and relating that to life. That you completed uh, a couple that, of marathons as well, right? I have done a few. I've done about uh, eleven uh, full wow. marathons now. Wow, okay. Two That's out, not a few. Three out of them. <laughs> Two out of them have been in uh, Ladakh, actually. So that is nice. what my my ultimate dream is to kind of do the uh, Khardungla challenge. You know, it's the world's highest marathon, apparently. That's debatable, but uh, it's a challenging one. 74 kilometers starting from Khardungla and coming down to the city of Leh. Uh, then I uh, have uh, done a few, I think 20 plus half marathons as well now. So wow. Yeah, so running running's become a way of life. It's uh, if I don't run on a particular day, I, I really do not uh, feel myself. And your time has been around four to five hours, is it, for a marathon? Uh, yeah, full. I I have not really found my mojo with a full marathon. My okay. uh, full marathon time, best time is I think four hours thirty four minutes. Wow. Uh, but Super my good. half marathon times are improving. I uh, I. I'm headed towards running it under one hour fifty. But again, the Whoa. people that I look up to in running, they they are the sub hundred minute kinds, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, so that's my my ultimate dream. Let's see where I get to with that. Brilliant. From a running perspective, of course. All right. Uh, what does your daily routine look like as a founder? Like now, of course, we have the pandemic and the lockdown, but maybe mm -hmm. something before that. So my routine has not really changed. Something that I have uh, even maintained during the pandemic, of course, during the uh, three, four weeks of absolute lockdown, uh, mm -hmm. there was no other five weeks of absolute lockdown. There was no stepping out. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I I start my day very early. I start my day at 4.30 a.m. Wow. I, uh, I get up, get my uh, daily chores done. I uh, finish my cup of coffee. And by, by between 5 to 5.30, depending on uh, which season you are in, because Delhi tends to get very cold during winters. So if it's summers, I, I start to step out at 5 a.m. If it's winters, more like 5.45, 6 a.m., I'm out for a run. I finish my run, my strength routine and all of that. I've, I'm done with that by 7.30. And I'm, I'm, I start my work by about 8. And uh, then 8 to about, uh, I think, 6, 6.37, uh, I am just totally on, uh, on the job. And mm. uh, 7, I shut down. 7, I start shutting down consciously. Finish my dinner by about uh, half past seven, eight at max. Uh, I spend a lot of uh, this time between seven to nine with my kids. A uh, lot of uh, horsing around, fun jokes, uh, uh, 
they're both turning out to be good musicians now nice. kind of sing a song or two with them before i go to bed by 9 and that's my routine that's clockwork it's been that way for the last 6 7 years but i'm sure in the starting of the startup journey those uh, the timings would have been later right maybe midnight yeah or... yeah so uh, yeah so like i said i'm talking about since 2017 2018 uh, 2017 that's been the this has been like clockwork but before that it's it's been all nighters i mean i still do all nighters if i have to do you know there are yeah. times when it comes up you know so and in construction handover times i have uh, stood on site for uh, weeks and weeks together you know uh, maybe just gone to the hotel to change freshen up uh, have a meal come back to the site and get things done because that's the that's been the nature of the work so uh yeah yeah so i have gone through all of that uh just to realize that you know if i plan my time well i can actually be equally just that i don't need to stand on construction sites any longer i need to be with the development team or the services team to deliver what we have committed to the clients or be working uh, with the founding team to ensure what is a to develop the next uh, path uh, and uh, you know roadmap for ourselves but i have realized that uh, actually if you utilize every minute of your time you end up doing a lot more uh, even with this particular this sort of a clockwork you know so uh, but yeah well sometimes things happen you have to kind of get things done and you have to kind of stay awake all night and you do stay awake all night and get things done and uh, that's the secret uh, to success of a startup right midnight uh, burn the midnight oil ah <laughs> uh, mixed bag to that in from me you know i i certainly think it, you need to spend a long long hours so so you have to be at work de- despite the whatever you might be doing you know so every if you have to succeed as a part of a startup uh, that to a new tech idea new tech product you are at it all the time no no matter whether you're running or you're uh, meditating or whatever you're doing in your mind what is running is your your startup how you going to what's the next thing what's the next plan what's the next uh, big move that you're doing what's the next round of funding who are the next investors all of that is with you all the while there is no running away from that so if you think that hey listen 8 hours i'll think about my company and 8 hours i'll sleep and 8 hours i'll do something else yeah, yeah. it doesn't work that way whatever you're doing you're all consumed with it totally so some of the best ideas that i get sometimes are when i'm running i'm just on my own you know uh, so mm. uh, academy got created trezy academy the idea while running you know so mm-hmm. uh, so uh, it's not when i say that i'm running or i'm waking up at 4:30 am and switching off at 7 pm it's not that my mind has turned off from the work the work mm-hmm. still kind of keeps going on and on and on so there is no getting away from a startup man it has to be you have to be all consumed by it otherwise uh, um this is not a 9 to 5 job it doesn't work that way in startups right uh, since you're an architect who are your favorite architects uh, who would you consider your favorite architect Walter Gropius Bauhaus my favorite most i i just uh, oh, yeah. adore uh, his work i totally totally uh, enamored by uh, the the modern architecture uh, mm. and that was of course like i said you when you born in mid 70s and you're doing your architecture in the early 90s to late 90s it's uh, you you had a set of architects that you looked looked up to right so walter gropius always uh, was somebody who uh, i had a lot of regard and respect for and uh, i actually studied a lot of his works mm-hmm. i uh, had a great uh, liking for louis kahn's uh, mm-hmm. design vocabulary i really really uh, admired that i also became a big fan of uh, anthony hemon uh, he uh, worked with frank lloyd right mm-hmm. uh, i think he worked in the 40s uh, or the late 30s 1938 39 
worked on the Imperial Hotel uh, with FLW in Japan in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And then he came, and not many people know this. Uh, he uh, there's a building in Pondicherry called Golconde. He right. created a building called uh, uh, Golconde uh, in the heart of Pondicherry. In uh, and it's a building where the external skin totally opens up. It's beautiful. Right. It's spectacular. You know, this climb responsive architecture. Example of responsive architecture: modern materials use black cedar flooring, ferro cement louvers opens up completely. Cross wind, you don't need any uh, sort of air conditioning in that building at all. Fabulous work. It's, uh, I mean, that that's a, I mean, if you after this interview, you just kind of go and look at yeah, look up that building. It's I'll something be adding it as well. uh, spe- spectacularly cool building. So he became somebody I followed a lot. And uh, in the current lot, I've got two real favorites. Uh, I uh, I really really admire Bijoy uh, Ramachandran Hundred mm-hmm. Hands. I nice. just have absolute regard for him he's one of the first trezi users one of the biggest champions for trezi uh, it's his third year of use for trezi and i every time he renews it it's a sense of pride for me you know that uh, bijoy uses uh, trezi and speaks highly about it and uh, then uh, there is somebody who i trained under uh, many many years back in 1994 uh, anupam bansal abrd architects they mm-hmm. are uh, also a prime example of how you know uh, uh, an architect from that particular era when he's, he's senior to me, he's five years senior to me, six mm-hmm. years senior to me, you know, how somebody keeps up to speed with uh, with latest trends and upskills himself and continues to deliver value to his designs, his projects and his uh, clients, you know. So Anupam Bansal is somebody I have a lot of uh, regard for as well. All right. Brilliant, Gautam. And uh, my last question to you would be, uh, you know, there's a lot of frustrated architects and frustrated architecture <laughs> students in particular. So uh, what advice would you give to uh, young architecture students and maybe even touch up on, you know, how to become a better architect? Like, how do you tap into education, architectural education? So see, I am not the best person to advise anybody on how to become a better architect. I, uh, given the fact that, you know, I myself moved uh, moved away from the the, the profession of design very early in my career, you know. But see, uh, frustrations are a part of every profession, everything that you do in life, no matter whether you want to run a, a, you know, 100-minute marathon, you end up running it at, uh, you know, 110, 115 minutes, that's frustration, you know. You you want to be a star opening batsman, you go out and get out on the first ball of the match, that's frustration. There is uh, something that you want to do as a designer and you're not able to do, that's frustration too. So my my... A very general level uh, sort of a advice to any young professional would be, you know, perseverance pays. Don't be impatient. There is nothing like overnight success. You know, there, there's a great uh, line that I read somewhere. I think it was Travis Kalanick of Uber who had said this, that, mm-hmm. you know, for an overnight, I spent uh, nine years preparing for overnight success, you know. So I, I, and that's what, so easy come, easy go, right? So what will come to you fast will also go away fast. So Mm -hmm. do not ever be blinded by quick success, quick money, quick recognition, because a good sort of uh, credibility, reputation, work, understanding, all of that comes with practice, effort uh, that you put into your way of being. And it could be anything. You could be an architect, you could be a runner, you could be a cricketer, you could be a poet. It's that's it. You have to the ten thousand hours uh, philosophy, right? You have to put in the hours. You have to learn. You have to persevere. 
but uh, persevere have a clear plan and work towards it frustrations are going to happen there is absolutely no chance frustrations will happen in whatever you do in life here yeah? so uh, learn to embrace frustrations and keep moving forward that's my only advice and it works i'm telling you by personal example had i given into my frustrations i wouldn't have been sitting here and talking to manish right now absolutely i'm absolutely sure about that and embrace technology as well right oh yeah oh absolutely please be embrace not just technology embrace change don't think that what you did 10 years back is going to hold you uh, hold good for you 10 years hence it is always be so i i remember a line another one i'll quote from alvin toffler you know another favorite author of mine alvin toffler said that you know the illiterate of the 21st century is not somebody who is not educated who can't read or write the mm-hmm. illiterate of the 21st century is going to be that person who cannot learn unlearn relearn so you have to embrace the whole process of unlearning and relearning if you do not do that the times are such that what you are learning right now is going to be obsolete in 2 years man yeah. so yes absolutely embrace not just technology i think as a concept be embracing towards change be willing to change and not just once for the rest of your life brilliant thanks a lot uh, gautam i think we had a high value packed session with you and i'm sure it's going to inspire a lot of architects and a lot of listeners in general as well so thanks for coming on to the arkyan podcast and i hope you hope to have you in the future as well and discuss more about technology and trezi and your life in general will be my pleasure manish it's been wonderful really high energy as you rightly said and every time i come into a session like this it's it's learning for me as well you know because i end up seeing something that strikes me that hey listen oh this is cool i should implement it more <laughs> so thanks Thank so much and really appreciate your time uh, and uh, calling me here today